Hello, podcast listeners. You are listening to another episode of The Long Journey Home. I am your host, Corbin Johnson, and we're going to talk about Homefront 6 today. I'll give you a little status update on it, and uh, maybe we'll talk about the 20th anniversary set a little bit. I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, we've got we've got Homefront 6 news. Uh, about two weeks ago, we wrapped up on uh, coming up with an initial file, including reprints and conversions. Um, about four pages worth now. Um, we've got three combos to help prevent future designers from needing to write any starter-level dilemmas. At least that's the goal, and we'll see how that goes. But yeah, we've delivered to playtesters today those particular dilemmas, and they're going to have some fun making sure that those work in Deep Space Nine starters and any other starters we have available. Um, so my hope is within the next week to understand if those dilemmas were any good. And... If the playtesters are positive about it, then I think we're going to release the rest of the set to them and let them chew on the 26 or 27 other cards that we think uh, will make block not only, uh, you know, fix some things in block, but also make block more fun. Now, the meeting we had to put this set together is about was about three weeks ago, so I can't really remember most of the details at this point. Um, I have the details written down, and uh, we keep uh, our notes that way, but... Uh, in general, um, my last meeting we had the brand manager, we had the whole team, and we had Charlie uh, show up for over, I think we had a th- nearly three-hour meeting, uh, which is fantastic. And everyone was uh, really helpful. They had good ideas, good input. Uh, Charlie uh, helped us to, I know I'm the lead, but Charlie was really helpful in kind of making sure we um, kind of not waste our time to to kind of make decisions. Um, I'm very philosophical when it comes to decisions like, you know, even just what card or should this card go in, and I start to think about lots of possibilities. I uh, chalk it up to my time as a playtester, as a tester in my career. I'm the kind of guy that likes to go, well, yeah, okay, good idea, let's think about it, and then here's all the things wrong with it. So... Now you decide. Is is it okay? Are we are we okay with this? Um, I I feel personally I'm I'm more of a leader by delegation. Um, for the last three or so assignments, I've been I haven't really put any input into the set myself. Um, I I've been saying here, guys, you know, give me some cards you want to put in. Give me some dilemmas you want, and I give some guidance. I say, you know, uh, think about you know, look at the survey. The survey said we need more fun we need to uh, make the game you know faster or slower the survey didn't say um, that it said that the game was pretty well paced at this point but um, block games at least so anyway um, yeah so use the survey um, but you know we our our goal here is to make block more fun Um, let's fix sealed later um, and focus on making constructed block a much better environment and look at what's wrong with it um so yeah so uh, my point is when we discussed the cards uh charlie was able to help us kind of take the rain he, he took the reins a little bit not not, in a, not too much um he he helped us just to say to stay focused and kind of say well you know remember this will this will be tested the testers will give us feedback let's let's move on so um and there's nothing wrong with that. I really appreciated Charlie uh, in his role there. So, um, yeah. 
Um, so we had, uh, you know, uh, Alan and Michael and, and Christoph uh, Smiley, our brand manager. Uh, they uh, came in and out of the meeting as they had time. And um, all in all, it was a fantastic meeting. And, it, you know, so basically, uh, I, I'm just going to go through a little bit of the sausage making here. Um, everyone submitted cards they thought would make fun or would be fun uh, to have in block and gave, you know, conversions and gave um, these should be reprinted. We started to think about, well, do we want event destruction in block? Do we want to have artifacts in block? Do we want to have more tools or do we want to, you know, do we want to have uh, certain doorways and uh, certain side decks as, a, as an availability? And I'm not going to go into what exact cards we were talking about, but I will say that, you know, um, we would go through the pros and the cons. We'd say, well, you know, do we really want block in a state where X and Y can be done? Um, and, you know, event destruction, I think, was actually one of the most interesting discussions we had. And I, I think we may have talked over a half hour, maybe even an hour about it. Um, kind of the philosophy that we... Uh, I, I took up a philosophy uh, maybe six weeks ago, maybe five weeks ago, about Homefront 3 and said, well, let's make this a tool sort of set. Let's say that we give the players the tools they need to make certain things possible. Um, at the same time, I don't want to tie future developments hands. I don't want them to think, oh man, well, don't forget about that card in Homefront 6 that's totally going to screw over making this block more interactive, make this block more competitive, make it quicker, make it faster, make it easier to report these guys, make it, um, you know, and, but that's the thing, right? Expansions of a game are supposed to um, steer players in a direction. They're supposed to have a theme. They're supposed to give you um, here's what you're going to be doing for the next year in this block, right? But Homefront 6 is going to be around potentially forever. And we also have the caveat of all the other Homefront sets potentially being around forever. I will say that we've discussed the possibility of rotating out any given Homefront set. And it started to make us think maybe we don't have to have the uh, cards to deal with other cards. Um, a card that is of great contention in block by at least one of the players, at least one of the developers, is the Nexus and uh, Tolly and Soren. And so we thought, well, we could add these cards to deal with it. And um, no, you know, I, I don't want to deal with it in, in this way. I, 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 maybe, maybe I do, maybe I don't. Um, we thought of a few cards that could potentially deal with it, but then we're like, well, no, I think what we need to worry about more is um, enabling the ability for players to have options to potentially deal with situations, sure, but um, to give them uh, tools and, and, and toys and that sort of thing. So, yes, um, what, what does this mean? It means Homefront 6, the non-dilemmas, may end up being generic tools that will potentially make block more fun, but it's going to be very baseline. At least that's how I see the set right now. Um, are we going to help specific affiliations? Maybe. And um, I say that in so far as... Um, I don't want to tie future developers' hands. I want to make sure that... Um, that this set 
maybe helps out certain affiliations. Um, <clears throat> but I also want it to give you some things to use. What am I trying to say here? Um, so everyone talks about how Cardassians are underpowered. And we could throw in, you know, some card that makes Cardassians better. But then we have to deal with the possibility of Cardassians being rotated into block some da somewhere down the line. That could be years, it, it could even be decades. Um, who knows that the next time Cardassians will be uh, available in block. Um, and then we have to deal with them in the short term too. So let's say we added Dominion War efforts to the uh, set. Well, cool. So suddenly Dominion and Cardassian uh, get a huge boost, uh, potentially. <coughs> but at the same time, maybe not. Um, yeah, uh, that's a kind of a weird example. Um, when I think about that card, I think, wow, yeah, um, that card put Cardassians and Dominion in a really awesome place um, where they have this incredible tool that no one else can uh, use. And it really sped up the game for them. And, and it was probably, you know, right at that time that you know, how do we get players to play more Alpha Quadrant? So here's two affiliations that are primarily Alpha Quadrant or not Delta. And uh, here you go, here's an awesome card for them. And cool, so um, you can see, it was probably too good of a card, but uh, the point is that that's a card that's very powerful for very specific affiliations that may not belong in Homefront 6 or in Block. Um, now, if a card like that were to make sense, then I would leave that up to the designer of that block to put into a supplemental set. Um, if we had decided that, oh, well, you know, playtesters are, are going through and they're saying, oh man, Cardassians are just not doing it in the Deep Space Nine block. Uh, well, there's, a, you know, three um, support personnel. Let's throw in Dominion War efforts and ASP and, oh man, oh, that's a great idea. And then when the set rotates out, when the block rotates out, you don't have to worry about it anymore future designers don't have to worry about that particular card. So, it's cards like that I, I wish to avoid in Homefront 6. Um, that doesn't mean that cards that are Federation-specific um, won't make it in. Considering that Feds will always be around, um, it's almost impossible for a block not to have Federation in it. Only because um, I think there are five, six, seven factions that are just Federation-based. So it wouldn't be surprising to see an all-Federation affiliation. Uh, not, no, no, that's not my point. But uh, a card that affects Federation more so than others, it wouldn't be surprising to see something like that in block. But at the same time, it also does break the rule of wanting to have cards that can be rotated out that make certain affiliations more better. So yeah, what am I getting at? It sounds like I want cards that will help any sort of deck out. But at the same time, I don't want those cards to be auto-includes. So, if a card is going to go in, like an event destruction, I want it to be very generic. I want you to think very long and hard about using that card and say, well, okay, um, in this particular block, <clears throat> there's one event that is annoying the heck out of me, and if we're gonna have event destruction for all time and block, we wanna make sure that it's fairly expensive to use, that it has a cost greater than um, any other, uh, any card that would indict or incite the use of event destruction um, by adding it as a card in a supplemental. 
So if we want event destruction in the block, in block in general, we'll put something in, but it's going to be very generic. <coughs> um, I know for some time, um, as designers, we've been thinking about, uh, wouldn't it be cool if we have built-in rules that make one um, that make it, you know, uh, if you get into a tight situation in one that you just can't get out of, and there's lots of examples of that, like being in a time location and uh, wanting to get back to the normal space line, there's no way to do it unless you have a card for it. But wouldn't it be nice if there were rules that said, okay, you can come back to the space line, but it's gonna cost you. It's gonna be, it's, you've gotta really need to do it. And you still have to think, if you had had the actual card that allows it, that wouldn't it be better if you had that? So I think, um, in this case, we want to have cards that probably allow time travel, probably allow you getting from one quadrant to another, that allow you from, for, uh, allow you to destroy an event, and cards that allow you to um, get a ship, and cards that allow you to repair more easily, things like that. Um, and having baseline cards like that around are, I think, in my opinion, good. And this is the perfect set to do that. So I want to just kind of lay that out on the table, let everyone know that that's where I'm thinking about Homefront 6 right now. But I'm, I do appreciate your opinions as well. And if you're saying, well, you know, that's great, Corbin, but Cardassians really suck right now and they need some help. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm interested in that sort of opinion. I, I'm more interested in hearing that from playtesters. Um, but your opinions are not uh, are appreciated as well, of course. So I encourage you to, if you don't like this direction of Homefront Six, um, this this isn't the greatest forum for it, but it is a forum um, for you to voice your opinions. So you can always call me at two six seven call CPJ, leave a voicemail, let me know that you think this is a terrible direction for Homefront Six, or you can leave me a PM Corbin Q two seven on the message boards, or you can email me at CorbinJohnson at me.com. So. You know, I'm putting that out on the table. I want everyone to know what we've been talking about, where Homefront 6 is probably going. And as the playtest feedback comes in, I'm gonna maybe talk about it a little bit. I don't wanna give away too much of what the playtesters are saying, unless I think it's something really relevant that the community could benefit from. All right, so all that said, it's very exciting that the 20th anniversary set has released. And um, these, you know, 36 cards or so look really fun. Um, it's a great example of top-down design, but not traditional top-down design. Uh, you think back to Intermirror Darkly, and there were cards that were named after every set, except for second edition, um, and Dangerous, I think there was even a Dangerous Missions card. But anyway, there were all these cards, and um, you know that most likely Decipher said, okay, here's a fun idea, now, you know, work top-down. So. What are we gonna do with the, these are the voyages card? Oh, well, we're gonna make this really terrible one cost event that gives me six draws, um, or five draws, or four draws. Um, so, and that's, you know, and that's an unfortunate um, problem with top-down design. But um, I feel like that's kinda, you know, that's what these sets were, um, in a good way, though. Um, and I love the, uh, the way these sets embraced Here's a set, embrace this set's composition, embrace its design. Um, I love the Premier card from uh, 1E, you know, perfect. It's a card you can score 100 points with, 
Um, yeah, it's, it doesn't fully embrace Premiere, but it totally does feel like a Premiere event at the same time. Um, I love, um, what are my favorite cards from this, these two sets? Um, it's neat that they made a card called Second Edition. I, I'm really excited. I thought that was cool. I don't remember what the card does, but I just thought that was cool. Uh, what else uh, was really cool about these sets? Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't perused these sets enough, but you know, um, uh, the dedication plaque card uh, for the the card that feels like Second Edition, the the set. Um, really does feel like a, set, a card from that set. Uh, at the same time, I feel it's a super weak card that no one's going to play with. Um, but it totally is like, wow, here's a crappy card that just feels just like it came from that set. And that was cool. Um, yeah, every card that corresponded to a set felt right. Um, it's a little too bad that the mirror, mirror card has some rules baggage with it and no one really knows what to do. Like, can't, do these do the OS cards report to Hawking's Council? I don't know, I never finished that thread to see if that's really what happens. Um, I love Cafe de Artis uh, because it's a card that, it's one of the first cards I've seen in a long time that's made me say, I wanna build a deck around this card. It, it, it's like, okay, now I gotta find three couples I can report really easily. Um, so I'm eyeing Moriarty and uh, Regina. I think she's banned though in OTF. Damn it, uh, that's not gonna work. So, um, maybe, you know, there are mission specialists that are in romantic relationships and maybe I can, you know, get three of them out really quickly or something like that. So, I, you know, I, the first thing I did when I saw this card was I went to the search engine, put romantically in the lore and said, wow, there's a ton of people this applies to. So. Yeah, I'm like, okay, this is this is some this is a card I would be willing to build a deck around for just just to get three draws a turn, and maybe I'd see two copies of this or multiple copies of this holodeck or this holo program just to get out those those uh, romantically involved people, get out the couples. So um, I love that card, um, really love it. Quantum incursions uh, or quantum incursion or quantum, the one that was the conversion from fractured time for one e. Um, ugh, it, it breaks my heart. Um, I, I love the QR code. That that was good. Initially, I'm like, oh, a die? You know, using a dice? This is terrible. I'm gonna have to bring a die to all my games now. This is awful. Um, yes, of course, I can get a dice on my a die on my cell phone. Um, but the QR code, I don't know. It just felt special. It felt like it embraced the fajoness of the card even though, you know, QR codes, yes, they were around in 98, but no one, no one was using them yet. Um, anyway, uh, the card's cool. Um, the thing that breaks my heart about the card is that it, it, it is a conversion that in, in light of, like, Mr. Data or Mr. Tricorder just completely changes the card's dynamic completely. Um, I look at a card like Mr. Tricorder and I go, Okay, no one played with Mr. Tricorder in the first place, so fine. Make an event out of it. Make an, make an equipment out of it. That's fine. But then you look at a card like um, uh, Gomtu Shockwave, and that got, that got converted fairly strictly. It embraced the original card pretty much to the T, but it gave it a little 1E flavor. I felt good about that. And now you've got Quantum Incursions. I think that's the name of the card. And I loved what the card used to do. I actually built a deck because I wasn't sure at the con I don't think the conversion rules were very clear as to whether or not 
you had to use someone with the right AU icon in 1E. Uh, so I would throw Mr. Cisco in my deck in 1E because he had the yellow icon and uh, the yellow AU icon. And then I would throw this card in and I'd say, yeah, look, I've got him in play so I can totally use this in 1E. Um, but then, of course, the conversion rules, you know, they said all AU card, all AU icons count for this. And so that was cool. So I was like, even better, this card's great. I get to look at the, I get to, what, draw a bunch of cards and then put a bunch of cards on top of my deck or something. And this is super broken, um, but I loved it. Um, yes, so I wish the card did something like that, even if it wasn't as powerful. But, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, so, you know, obviously I had no input on the card. Um, but, yeah, so it is what it is. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to lose my lunch over it. I'm not going to sleep, lose sleep over it. Um, but, yeah, so that's how that's how it goes. Um, but, yeah, of course, the card's really cool. Um, yeah, the Borg Enterprise, I think uh, Borg fans probably lost their shit when that card came out because <laughs> um, it is ridiculously cool. Um, you know, now you can use Wall of Ships to download the Borg Queen, essentially, or something like that, if you really want to do something like that. Uh, maybe there's another way to get an Enterprise out really quickly. Um, for the Borg, I'm not sure it's not that easy. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's really cool. It's just a really cool card. And that's how I feel about a lot of those cards. They're just cool cards. Uh, the Maj card, cool, great, let's help out, you know, um, credit Kazon as much as possible. They need the help. I'm fine with that. Um, gosh, what other cards really stood out for me in these sets? Um, there were other standouts, and, um, yeah, the cards are beautiful, and, and they really embrace the feeling of the set. Um, it's really great to see this game still going on 20 years later. Um, you have to wonder where the time's gone sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still a fun hobby uh, every so often, you know. Probably spend about mm, a couple of days a month now thinking about Trek. Um, and yeah, even, you know, uh, you know, Trek's still important to me. Obviously, I podcast a lot less. Um, I, you know, there's other things in my life that are, you know, important. You know, I'm getting married in uh, six months, and you know, just putting together the wedding's been um, a lot of work. Uh, I, I won't lie, um, but it's worth it. Um, you know, not to open up too much, but yeah, it's uh, Trek's still important to me. And thanks for listening. And I always appreciate feedback if you've got any. Um, and yeah, so. Um, great. What's, what else is going on with Trek right now? Um, not much. Um, you know, the game I think is still vibrant and strong and I look forward to seeing what playtesters have to say about Homefront 6. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens when the TNG set finally, um, rotates out of Block. And I'm excited to see if we can revitalize Block as a format. So, Linda here. Um, you, you guys are great, and I hope you have a, a good rest of your week. And I will uh, hopefully be talking about in about a week's time when we have some playtest feedback. So until then, this is Corbin Johnson signing off, saying so long and thanks for all the trek. <laughs>